You're listening to the Modern Learners Podcast, and I'm Missy Emler, your host. In this podcast, we explore topics in education through the modern learner's lens. We dig into our beliefs about learning, the modern contexts that impact learning in schools, and the practices that create the conditions for learning to take place. No matter how hard we challenge the status quo, remember this. We're not asking you to change. We're asking you to learn. Now, let's get started. In the spring of 2019, I sent out the Modern Learners Community Newsletter, announcing to our audience we were embarking on an equity journey for the month of May. We were going to read Cornelius Miner's book, We've Got This, and Robin DeAngelo's book, White Fragility. Modern Learners was stepping into a journey of anti-racism. Shortly after sending the newsletter, I got a reply from a reader. Hey, please consider adding 31 days of IBPOC to your list of resources. That email sent me on a journey to learn more than I could have imagined. And I was learning from my colleagues of color. Today, I'm bringing you the sender of that email to talk more about the 31 Days of IBPOC project. Dr. Kim Parker is the co-founder of the project. Today, Dr. Kim and I talk about equity, anti-racism, and most importantly, community. The 31 Days of IBPOC project is the perfect resource for your staff development on equity and anti-racism. If you need more than what you find in this project, please reach out to Dr. Kim Parker or her co-founder, Trisha Abarbia, who we featured on this podcast in episode 72. They'll be happy to help you and happy to connect you with the other writers on this project. So it's time now to bring you Dr. Kim Parker. So welcome, Dr. Kim. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Missy, thank you. It's nice to be on your show. Thank you. So I wanted to, so I started to ask you this before we got started, (laughs) and I asked where you taught, and you so kindly told me Shady Hills School in Cambridge, Massachusetts, but what is it that you do (laughs) in this school? Because I, every time, I just can't figure it out when I'm following you on Twitter, and it seems so interesting. (laughs) Right. Great question. Um, Yes, I am the assistant director um, of the Shady Hill Teacher Training Center. So it's a 92-year-old program that it's been preparing teachers from pre-K to grades eight um, for years. So I do lots of supervision, instruction. I teach a couple of graduate classes. Um, I'm in classrooms with kids um, most of my time. And then um, when I'm not there, <laughs> I work with high school kids. Yes, I think that's why I've been so confused because I can tell that you teach adults or pre-teachers, but I also see the interactions that you have with (laughs) students. So it's been super, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just fascinating how you can really share your gifts in such a multi, so many areas. So thank you. you. And it's nice because I get to um, see kids and work with young people sort of this nice range. Um, And it gives me a really great understanding of development. So um, I'm grateful for it. Yes. Great. Thanks so much for sharing. So I really want to dive into Mm -hmm. um, your 31 Days of IBPOC project. Um, So it was about a year ago, and I sent our Modern Learners newsletter 
letting people know that we would be talking pretty extensively about equity throughout the month of May. It was our theme. And you responded to the newsletter with, hey, you should really check out 31 Days of IBPOC and share that with your community also. And so I couldn't wait because it started in May. And every single day I read those blog posts and I shared them and they had a significant impact on me. So when I saw it was happening again, I had to bring you back. So I'd love for you to just start out by explaining A, the acronym and B, what is the project? Sure. Um, The acronym stands for Indigenous, Black, and People of Color. Um, So we use IBPSC. Sometimes the B and the I are switched, but um, that's what it's about. And it really came in response to seeing these sort of initiatives online that featured very few, if any, Black, Indigenous, other people of color, right? And so um, we know that we have been excellent. Right? Forever. And so Trisha and I are really good at sort of thinking about ideas. And then Trisha is actually the linchpin because I will say something like, wouldn't it be nice if we did this? And then Trisha, like, you know, does the graphics, registers the web page, the URL, and then we're doing it. So yeah, before you even have a chance to breathe, I exactly. have a few friends like that. <laughs> And before you can even be like, oh, maybe this is like, whoa, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. I mean, we never thought we shouldn't be doing it. It was just, I think it came together in maybe like two weeks time when we said, this would be great. Let's do it. And then we reached out to 31 day, 31 people, different people um, that we admired, that we had followed, that we still follow, that we knew of their work. We wanted to get to know their work better. Um, and again, we knew of their work and their reach, right? They've been doing incredible work in literacy and other um, disciplines. And we just wanted to bring us all together. Um, I think that's the importance of community and to actually just let people write whatever they wanted um, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, so ultimately it's a blog a day and you essentially publish it every day in May. Right. Was there, so I'm guessing there was no secret sauce behind the fact that it was in May other than that's when the idea came and she like made it happen in two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that we, we had done Slice of Life um, a couple of years ago. And I think that's also where I got to know Trisha. I mean, I knew Trisha through a couple of different um, angles and areas. Mm -hmm. First was through her incredible um, mom photography, if you can believe that. She's an incredible photographer on her own. and so that was when I, one of, I was one of a few other people who said, this is so white, right? Like, what would it, what would it mean and look like if we did something different? Um, and I think it was because May gave us enough time, honestly, to pull that together. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, Trisha might know differently, but that's vaguely what I remember. Right. <laughs> They're like, May, let's do May. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I was actually a little relieved um, that there was something um, in May, because to be honest, we, you know, Black History Month is February. And I always feel like that when you, it doesn't always feel right to just focus on that during that specific month. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be extended. And so I think that we can study equity and, and have these conversations at any given moment. And for me, it just felt like, oh, 
this is like falling in my lap at the like the mm-hmm. moment that my community was ready for it. And what else I love about it is that it still lives on the website. And can you right. share the website? Because right. I don't think we shared that initially. Right. It's 31 days. Um ibpsc.wordpress.com. <laughs> Got it. And I will link that up in the show notes for okay, sure. Great. And then if, um, they, if people follow that hashtag, um, 31 days IBPOC, they'll find us too. Yes, absolutely. The hashtag is definitely where I found them every day. Um, so it's interesting that you said you didn't give people a lot of guidance on what to write about. So were you nervous about well, that? Well, that's, I mean, that's not probably, like we should say, we gave them, um, you know what, I should find <laughs> the email that Trisha sent to people where she said, this is what we are really looking for. Like, we would like for you to write about, um, mm-hmm. and actually, if you ask me another question, I'll circle back to that just because yeah, I want to sure. make sure that Absolutely. that's accurate. <laughs> so, um, so it's happening again this year. So it started last year, was the first year. Right. Did you know right away you'd do it again? Um, I think so. I mean, we had the reaction that we got from such a range of audiences was so powerful. And I mean, again, you know, like the hardest part is really setting something up. And yes. so um, once like the structures are in place. And so we didn't, I mean, I think maybe we thought about it for just a brief amount of time before we said, yeah, let's do it again, right? Let's, um, and let's see if people want to either write again or to nominate someone else. So- um, That was my next question. How yeah. were the people selected this year? Yeah, so we asked everyone back um, if they wanted to do that. And then um, if they didn't, then they could nominate someone. And so I think nearly everyone said yes. And the ones who didn't, um, did nominate someone and there might be, I think we're still sussing out the schedule, but there might be a couple of times where the person who's nominated is writing a post that runs the same day as the person who nominated them. So there's a nice complimentary um, writing going on. Great. So there might be more than one each day? Uh, maybe. In some maybe. cases, maybe. Just that might be a little bonus. But <laughs> Yeah, for real. I was getting excited. So can you talk about what the perceived impact is and um, what you think that imp- what the potential impact is, you know, the, for as long as this particular project continues? Sure. Um, before I answer that, I just, I was right yeah. in saying that they could, people can write about anything, right? It's about being... Um, an IB POC educator and what that means to them. And so you'll see that um, many of them were about education and many of them weren't. So Mm -hmm. it's really, um, it was really wherever the writer wanted to take it. Right. And so you ask about sort of the lasting impact or. Yeah. Or what was your initial perceived impact? And did you, did it accomplish? Did you define what would make it successful before it went into the world? Oh, that is such a great educator question, right? What were our objectives? Um, I think our objectives were to first say and confirm and affirm that there are so many amazing educators of color. And the thing about it is that like for 31, there could be every day, if we were really running posts, there could be like tens of tens more people per day. 
um, if we were right. really to expand it, because there are, that's what we also need people to understand is that this is just a small sampling of excellence. Um, and I think in all of this conversation about lacks and what's missing about um, education, we don't always value teachers of color enough. And so um, that was also an intention is to help people to understand how excellent um, teachers of color are and the practices that they are um, using every day and how that impacts children and young people and what that means, right? And also that teaching is political in so many respects and that we cannot be sort of divorced from our identities. Right, and I think um, that was a, an aspect that surprised me mm -hmm. and delighted me. I was, I was excited that you didn't, you and the writers didn't shy away from the political nature. Mm -hmm. And actually, didn't somebody write specifically about it being political? I have to go back and look, but I remember thinking, wow, they didn't shy away and that I was happy. Yeah. Yeah, and again, like we don't aim to edit or censor anyone. Um, we, I mean, we just post them. People post their posts and then we just sort of um, keep them going via social media. So people were as raw and open and free and honest as they felt comfortable being. And I mean, I appreciate that because you can also see that none of us are the same, right? Like mm -hmm. everyone had a different take, a different lived experience, a different way of, Sort of seeing the world and i think that that was so beautiful and compelling and i think that that was what what has been sort of heartening about this all is that how people go back to those posts i mean i think it's powerful that it continues to live because we hear from people who say oh i'm studying this with my department or i'm reading this and it's helping me to think about my own whiteness for example or it's helping me to feel like i'm not alone or to know that there are other people out here doing work that look like me um, and so that's been really powerful. We've been, you know, people want us to sort of think about compiling them in a book. Um, I asked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? See, I see, think that was one of my yeah. first questions. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that people understand the power of really well-written accounts and mm -hmm. they are beautifully written and invite um, multiple rereadings, which I think is also really powerful about a compelling text. So as much as people want to go back and read and read again, um, I think that you always find something different or new or that you didn't really consider the first time. Um, and they also can be read, um, like they all, they all stand alone. So you can yes. either read them all together um, mm -hmm. or you can read them day by day and then sort of think about the impact. So it's like a multi-layered impact that I don't know if I ever anticipated that. I mean, I think that I was most excited to write about people and write with people that I really admired, right? And I really love. Um, so it was like a party. And then right. like all of this that came after it is just sort of like gravy. So it's, it's excellent. Yes. So I was, I really appreciate your, um, your mention of honoring the lived experience. And I'm wondering if in honoring the lived experience, if any of your authors have um, been significantly impacted by their, by the reaction to their writing Ooh. or has, you know, have you heard any follow-up from any of the writers of, about the impact that that had on, that the project had on them personally? Oh, you know, I don't think, 
I mean, we had, I've had sort of here and there um, impacts and then people are talking about how um, people might've reached out or asked questions. And I think it's, you know, when people retweet something and they might write a comment about something right. that stands out to them or how they are moved. I think that move that really left impressions on people because mm -hmm. again, when you write, you're writing, yes, for an audience that you don't know necessarily. Um, and so we, didn't, we haven't drilled down to really talk to people individually. We see people and then it's more mm -hmm. anecdotal. Um, right. But I think it varies for everyone. And that would be a great one that we should follow up on probably maybe in the summer. <laughs> right. I can't imagine why you haven't found time to do that. By right. Any means. Like, that's a great question. Um, we're going to for further. Um, yes. In the future. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I love when people like me come in and be like, oh, you should have asked them this and this and this. No, they're um, good because when you're in it, you know, you're. you're you can't like, see oh, it. Yeah, that would be great in the future. <laughs> right. Thank Absolutely. You. And if I can help you like facilitate that so you can see it from afar, let me know because I have been enamored by the project. Yeah. Um, because for a couple of reasons, one, I needed to learn more about the lived experience of um, indigenous bla black people of color educators specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I, I live in a very rural white area and I've never taught with a person of color. Mm -hmm. um, and the number of children, the, the number of children of color that I've taught has been very, very few. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to understand that in order to really, so I work as the universal design um, for learning statewide systems coach in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And I, one of the things that we're working on a lot in Wisconsin and need to be is the equity and looking at things through an equity lens. And so I have been really working personally on that and I'm not great, um, but it's important work and I continue to do it. And so the project, A, I needed to have the, that project in my life for my own personal learning and it served as um, a tool in my toolbox when I was working with other leaders in relationship to equity. But the other reason I love it is the emphasis and the focus on community. Mm -hmm. So Modern Learners um, is, so, is a community of educators and we are always forward thinking and leaning as far into the progressive side of education as we can. And in that, I would say our community does not have enough people of color to actually be representative of the work that we believe in mm -hmm. and the children that we collectively serve. And so the, the work and the emphasis in, on the community side of the work is like brilliant. And so I'm also curious, other than the writing of the pieces being from community members, what do you think has been the impact on community or has there been community derived from this particular community project? Sure, that's a great question. Um, yes, I mean, I think the short answer is yes. We have always, I mean, I think that, so we, right, <laughs> the we, what do I mean by mm -hmm. we? I think that there, for pe many people of color, um, we don't get anywhere without our community, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, um, are shaped by community, we live by community, we are sort of reformed by community. 
And so when we think about who we want to write with, who we want to publish with, who we want to be in schools with, right? Like oftentimes we have to create the world we want to see exist, right? Who are the colleagues that we would love to teach with me every day that we can't just, I mean, virtually, yes. And so um, this is it, right? This is a small sample of the community that is possible if we are not bound by systems that make it really hard for many of us to be in schools. Um, I think that there are, if I remember correctly, um, there were a few people who talked about why it's hard to be a person of color in school, in a predominantly white school. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's the power of it. If it can help um, predominantly white administrations and teaching forces to understand why teachers leave the profession or why um, we work so hard, particularly for kids of color and all children, then that is why um, we do the work. And also like that's the community. And also I think that this community sort of pulling together people in how, whatever aspect this is for mm -hmm. 30 days builds community. It helps people to know that they are not alone. Um, and it lives on. So it sort of keeps going and keeps going and keeps going in these really powerful, unexpected ways, honestly. Right. So let's talk about how you manage to keep the project going because it's, it takes time and energy and work to make something like this come together and happen and be um, as fulfilling for not only the writers, but also the people who are reading. And I'm curious as to, A, are you doing this voluntarily? Have you thought about how people can support you? And what does that look like? Or what are you, what, what is, what does it look like for you right now? Yeah. Um, yes. This is all volunteer. Trisha mm -hmm. <laughs> and I um, do it all voluntarily. Um, I think last year someone, a couple of people sent us like some coffee, some Venmo or something that was nice. Mm -hmm. Um, so it really comes down to us being super organized and by super organized, I mean, Trisha being super organized. And then I jump in with some texts with some questions and then <laughs> she's like in it together. Um, mm -hmm. she's the best colleague to work with. I know with. I have a colleague exactly like her for that. She, I would describe her in the same way you're describing Trisha. And I, I know I couldn't live without her. So I can appreciate yeah. I can appreciate how much she does to support the work for sure. Yeah. And I think that we both do it because we enjoy it, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, as I said before, it's like a party with your friends. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think probably the hardest part was last year to set it up. And probably the biggest part was making sure that if people didn't have their own blog posts, that we could host it. So we'll host one on our blogs if they don't have one, but most people do. Um, and then it's, it's, it's a lot of people, it's a lot of emails, but people fill out the sheet, they pick their own date, um, we follow up if we need to, and then once it launches, just maybe a couple of nudges here and there, but people are generally really excited to do it. So um, they put it on their calendar, and we all look forward to it. Right. I love that. I also would love to know, I'd love to see you figure out a way that people can honor you, whether it be Patreon or Venmo or, you know, and to include that some way, because I, I really feel 
And I know that um, people of color are often I see on Twitter wanting to respect the labor that so many people of color actually do on Twitter. Um, And I would say I absolutely appreciate it as well. And I do see it as valuable work. Um, And it's, it's valuable and people receive it without actually knowing. Mm -hmm. And so even if it was in a gift sort of way or something, I, I just can't emphasize to you how much I've grown and the people that I've shared it with have grown. And I think that that, that work should be honored and the work that it takes to create it, but also the work to create the systems to bring those people together, but also the writers. Mm -hmm. And I hope that um, one of the hopefully things that comes out of it for the writers is that people seeking professional development opportunities for staff will reach out to their writer, to the writers um, and elevate them on their own. I I hope that that's happening when people have the opportunity um, because it's, the work is just so important and it, it means so much coming from people in the schools yeah, and, and not somebody I, yes, who's like absolutely. always doing that yes. training. Yes. <laughs> right. And also I think that when you have, I just don't take any sort of equity, anti-bias, anti-racism, nothing seriously. If it's by a bunch of all white people, like I just don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to think that whatever organization has done anything um, forward thinking or progressive, if we want to call it progressive, allegedly progressive, even if they don't have any people of color. And also it's not just having a token person of color, but it's a person of color who knows their stuff, good politics, who really is fighting for kids. Um, and so, yeah, I would hire every single person, right. That's on 31 days, either from this year or last year, because it's a solid source of PD. I would also, um, encourage people that if, these writers have books or have something to buy their stuff and also to reach out to them. Um, I'm sure that we all have Venmo or other ways, right? We all, so whatever it is, I know people have DM me and said, Hey, I would like to do this for you. And I think that's fine. Um, People will share with whatever they're comfortable, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I do. um, I would let individual writers sort of decide what they want, but I think it's, that's a fair request. And um, yeah, you're right on. Yeah. I mean, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. So for someone like me who's very white, living in a very white <laughs> rural community, um, and who runs Modern Learners, which is a community that we certainly have global diversity. We serve mm-hmm. people from, I think we're at 33 countries um, are represented in our community. And we do have people of color, but not... The people of color, I'm not sure, actually, I know, if they felt comfortable as often as I would like them to, they would show up and they would be seen. And I'm wondering, um, what would you say, how, how should I approach making our community safe for people of color? Yeah, well, if it's an all-white community or mostly white, no, it's um, it's really not an all-white community. It might appear that way, but yeah. it's not. It's actually not really, okay. in that we have a lot of global diversity, so that we do have people from of color from all over the world, but we also have um, several people of color, but in terms of their the sheer percentages mm-hmm. they're they're just not as represented as the and it, it's an attraction model, right, and I think that 
there's there's something that I'm not sure Modern Learners is doing um, that attracts people to us that lets them know that we're doing our best to create a safe space. And this is like work that I've been thinking about and working on for a really long time. And yeah. I don't know that I have an answer, I, you yeah. know, other than it's an attraction and I don't necessarily know that I'm good at that. Other than what we have done is we are very conscious um, thanks to Jen Binus and a few other people for calling us out. Um, we're really working hard at having people of color equally represented on the podcast as often as we can. Yeah. Um, and we're starting with that. And yeah. so hopefully that that's, you know, something that we can feel good about, but I, I'm really working on that. So anytime you want to just tell me what I think, what, what I'm not seeing, because I'm sure there's things I'm not seeing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really, um, it's the language too, right? I think for <laughs> black indigenous and people of color, there's no safe space within white space. Mm -hmm. Um, personally, like I've been, harmed right by being in white spaces that tell me it's a safe space mm -hmm. and so I would challenge you to work really really hard to really think about like what does that mean to mm -hmm. have spaces where black indigenous other people of color feel welcome mm -hmm. I would wonder what have you done to really um think about anti-blackness mm -hmm. um what have you done to make sure that people understand um history Right. I'm reading um, this fantastic this fantastic book about black women in the United States. Right. And history and mm -hmm. understanding sort of how everything that's happening now is just sort of repeating um, where we've been. And so Isn't I'm not convinced. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. I'm not. I do believe it's repeating. that any of this um, any of these attempts to have equity and by equity like what do we really mean do we really mean anti-racism do we mean what do we mean um, well, and i want to talk about that for a quick second if you have yeah. a second mm -hmm. i don't in doing the work that i've been doing i'm not sure that i think of equity as anti-racism because what i'm afraid of is that people can hide behind the equity conversation without doing their personal work. Oh, yeah. I think that we have um, an overabundance of equity practitioners now. And I think everyone says that they're about equity. I'm sort of horrified and enraged yeah. by all of these people who are just popping up and just adding equity in what they do. And it's, they're mostly white practitioners. Actually, they're all white practitioners who never had any conversations about equity like you can go through their web pages you can go through their pictures you can go through all of this like all white until the last year 18 months when equity sort of suddenly became a buzzword um and publishing companies everywhere so yeah i think i agree with you i mean i don't equity is another one of those words that i'm not convinced i'm not going anywhere near it usually because it's mostly white folks who have not done their own work and by that, I mean like critical whiteness mm -hmm. work. And you know, I would say that that's one of the things that I've learned in the work that I've been working on is that I don't, I did not necessarily know that anti-racism was a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in my very white rural area, we use poverty to mean equity. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, 
and again, my universal design would say what is essential for some is good for all. So if we, in my small rural area on the opposite side of Milwaukee, um, want to think about poverty as the, the equity problem that we're solving I, and, and not really supporting Milwaukee in their efforts or thinking that the efforts Milwaukee are making, Milwaukee is making doesn't impact us. I'm actually not okay with that right now because I really think if we can solve the equity and anti-racism and through anti-racism in Milwaukee, whatever we do there, that works really well. Mm-hmm. will fare well across our entire state. Right. And that's, I mean, I think that that's it, right? If you are, universal design for learning would be really invested in the success of Milwaukee for all Milwaukee's children and as invested as those children as they are for your rural community. Like that's UDL. Like really, if UDL was anti-racist, that's what yes. it would be about. But it's not. Right. right. <laughs> so there's a, there's a study out there that talks about the cross- um, it's like the overlap of cross-cultural pedagogy mm-hmm. and um, UDL. And mm-hmm. there were researchers, Gloria Madsen-Billings, um, Ladsen-Billings, really and I don't know, there was a, two or three universities, and I'm going to link that up in the show notes right. for this. But there is a really great study. Um, Benjamin Doxador writes about it mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. um, book as well. And um, it's about the the cross-pollination between culturally sustaining pedagogy and universal design for learning. And it has, that work has also really been a huge part of the personal work I've been doing. But again, I just, I can't emphasize enough how much your work has really done. It's really helped and I really appreciate it. So um, just before we kind of close up, I think I wanted to talk about, um, Really quickly, what are you seeing in regards to anti-racism, since we're clarifying the language, and our response to COVID-19? As, you know, like, how is, how, what are we doing? How are we doing? Is it awful? It is awful. (laughs) It's awful on so many levels, right? So um, we were talking about individualism versus collectivism. Um, Trisha talks a lot about that, and I think she'll also um, talk about it in her book that's coming out. Um, but it's all of this, it's so, so many levels. I, I'm worried about my Asian and Asian American friends, right, mm-hmm. and families and communities, um, because anti-Asian rhetoric and racism is peaking um, right now. And I don't know how teachers are talking about it with kids. I think that being online in this environment makes all of those, people are gonna retreat to what they know. So if they're not comfortable talking about this and they're definitely not gonna, if they weren't comfortable talking about it in their classrooms, they're definitely not talking about it online. Um, And then also I'm really concerned about the number of black and Latinx um, folks who are dying. And people wanna think about it as individual, but it's not. And I think that, again, this is where we got to look at the history and how we have always um, viewed Black bodies as dispensable and how I'm just seeing things that are floating around that are not really being concerned about how many Black and Brown people are dying. And so, yeah, it's awful. Um, 
I think it's really great to read people who are writing about the moment and reading people of color, right? There are really great black writers. Kianga yes. Yamada Taylor is amazing right now. Um, and so many others. And so where do we get our news from? Who are we letting tell the story? How are we reacting to it? And again, how are we um, talking to kids? And how are we also affirming and holding them up and ourselves? Because it is an awful moment that, um, I don't know, is just going. Yes. I appreciate the share, you sharing the idea of looking for people of color that are writing. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm sure that many people are not doing that. Yep. So if there's one thing people can take away from this that other than go make sure in May you're reading the 31 <laughs> right. days right. IBPOC yeah. hashtag, um, I definitely think it's important to, t to find people of color that are writing that you can follow. And that is actually the takeaway from my experience last year. Mm -hmm. My Twitter feed was completely revolutionized yeah. by the 31 days of IBPOC. And in changing the algorithm that feeds me what I read, mm -hmm. that absolutely gave me um, access to a much broader perspective. Yeah. And yeah. that is one reason to follow every one of those writers. That's great. And that, I mean, I think that that's, that's so powerful because if you just change who you follow or who you pay attention to, it changes your perspective in ways that are really um, you know, important. And they don't, I mean, it's really hard to sort of go back or to remember yes. what it was before all of these people were in your feed. And I hope that people will do that. I mean, I hope again that they will support these writers. Um, I hope that they will think about what it would mean to have people of color as colleagues, um, what would it mean to get them to stay and to make them feel like they would be an important integral part of their departments or their schools. And also, you know, like this is a community and what can you do to support the community? And everyone um, needs support in different ways, but um, that's what I hope. And yeah. we're excited for May. Yes. So thank you so much, Dr. Kim, for joining me on the Modern Learners podcast and creating not only Disrupt Text. We didn't talk about that today. Oh, but yeah. And you said, oh, yeah. And you said Disrupt Text. There were four of us. So it's Trisha okay. and I and then Julia Torres and Lorena Herman. Yes. So all of us are. The, so there are four co-founders and then Trisha and I do um, 31 days. Yes, that's awesome. Disrupt text. Make sure to follow that hashtag. But also through May, 31 days of IBPOC. We'll link right. everything up for you in the show notes. And thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. Oh, yeah, Have a great day. And don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Kim Parker. We'll be continuing the conversation of each blog post in our community and on our social channels. We invite you to be a part of the conversation and the project. Please use the hashtag 31 days of IBPOC and head over to modernlearners.community and sign in or sign up.